Thank you for tuning in. This is your host, Liz, a.k.a. LGD Poet. You are listening to my life here on Hot Words, Hot Topics. My life is not particularly about my personal life. It is a platform where we welcome poets, musicians, or anyone who would like to dialogue about the topic at hand. All you have to do is dial in at 563-999-3742. Press option 1 to join the conversation.
And we're back. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah, thank you for tuning in into my life. This is your host, Liz, a.k.a. LGG Poet, with my co-host, Gigi the Storyteller. And we're about to have a great show. Gigi the Storyteller is... Gigi the Storyteller is here, and my special guest today is Damon Collier. But we'll be talking to him a little bit later. He is the founder of Pride and Unity Program. We'll be talking to him in a little bit. So, Gigi, what's going on with your life? My life, my life, my life. Hello, <laughs> everyone. Thank you for tuning in. It's been uh, creative, and it's been about uh, working with the community, and it's about for myself to have accountability, especially as far as a creator. You know, I'm a, a writer and a poet, and I've been, like, dragging my feet for a long time, but uh, we had an event, Poetry in the Park, uh, a couple of Sundays ago, which was great for Hot Words, and we uh, ran into an author. His name is Tim Woo. Do-do-do-do. I wish I had the book. I'll get it for you in a minute. But it was great because he took a step forward and he wrote his book. And it's amazing about all the things that Tim Scott, wow, is just, you know, I'm older, y'all. You know, you must forgive Miss Jesus. <laughs> the brain be a tick and a talk, and sometimes uh, we don't know what's there um, Liz, you're still a young girl as far as I'm concerned, so you're not going to get it like just yet. But um, back to Tim Scott, it's amazing how uh, you can get inspired through different people in your life, and you're not really expecting it. So it's for me, in my life, it's good that it, it was out there. And then I do want to give, like, a shout-out to Ross Victory. That young man has like so many books out and he keeps going and cranking them out and he's in the studio and he's doing uh, a lot of things with his his music and his books so I think that's really great in the area of his life and my life is good so Liz LGD Poet (laughs) you say what? wow I said, doesn't Ross have a, a a summer song coming out? Really upbeat song coming out right now this summer? He does. He had this track called Bounce. And I was like, okay, young people, y'all, you guys do what you need to do. It's, it's fun. It's a fun video. And, you know, if you're young like that and you still got, you know, you can do that. Uh, it's, it's good to know. So you guys check out Ross Victory on YouTube. Okay, Ross Victory would it be, and that's good. And, and and we give a shout out to all the artists, authors who's out there, and people who are, you know, putting movies out, documentaries in their own right. You know, because we do talk about here on Hot Words, Hot Topics about doing your own thing. You know, taking that first step forward and stop complaining about, you know, things are not happening and, you know, that's why I'm excited uh, about the guest that we're going to have tonight because it seems to me that he has taken some steps forward and uh, it's good. It's good to do that uh, as individuals, 
as an individual person and then uh, even greater when we could come together in unity and then do it as a community. You know what I mean, Liz? I totally know what you mean. You, you and I have always had conversations about the unity. I've had multiple conversations with friends about, you know, uniting as a people, as black people, as brown, brown and black people, because I feel that the more we unite, the more we can actually elevate and progress. I do know that there's always going to be some setbacks and always some resistance here and there from people, but I feel like, uh, like our guest tonight, from everything that I've read about him, watched his movie, he just seems to be on that path to really assist our youth in um, evolving and growing and changing because ultimately our youth is our future. Our future as we get older. Absolutely. That's why I keep doing what I'm doing because, woo, you know, a lot of the grandmothers, they're like 40 years old. So, you know, I'm a, I'm an elder, I'm a senior, so I think I'm doing my job, you know, getting the information out there before things really go amok. And again, mm-hmm. I'm glad that we're having the guests here on my life that we're having. It's super great. And um, you know, you know, I do want to add, and you you mentioned, you know, so-called black and brown people. You guys know mm-hmm. where I come from on that issue. You're gonna have to tune into. Ovasi Views every second Saturday, where I'm hosting and I'm sharing my Gigi stories. And, you know, beyond that, these um, narratives of colors and whatnot and so-called races, it's a a collective of poor people. You know, in my opinion, you know, if poor people, if we all came together and put some stuff together, We all will be unstoppable. I tell you the truth. I wouldn't lie to y'all, okay? I am Gigi, the storyteller, and you are listening to my life along with my co-host, Liz LGD Poet, but it's her show. I'm co-hosting with her because (laughs) we like to chat, y'all. We do that. We chit-chat and whatnot, whatever. So guess what? Stay tuned, and we'll be right back with Damon Collier. Okay, let's do that. This is Gigi, the storyteller from Avasi Views, and you're now listening to my life here on Hot Words, Hot Topics.
particular area was like pretty good, but there's like a a, a section that you're gonna get it if you're not uh, up on your toes. If I'm if I'm mistaken, is it that kind of uh, neighborhood? Yes, it is. I mean, you would think, you know, because of the way that the TV show it, and then when you get to the neighborhoods, you know, the west side is a lot more clean, and the houses are kind of kept up and things like that, but it was, you know, the environment wasn't, you know, when, when I learned about Los Angeles, Los Angeles will lull a lot of people to sleep, because you, I mean, just most, most areas, except like the east side, the east side is a little bit more, you know, they're still just now getting things together, like getting the houses and things in, in order, or things like that. But, I mean, on the west side of Los Angeles, if you have a lot of the middle-class families or the working families, a lot of, a lot of families were out in this, this area that migrated from the south and things like that. But it, people don't realize that back in the day, there was only two places that you could go. It was uh, Watts and Venice was the only places that they did let black people come into when they migrated here. So it would be, these areas look like it's, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's beautiful, but they're just now building it up since the gentrification processes and things of that nature. But it's really been impoverished areas over here. I see. And you know what? Because of my life here on Hot Words, Hot Topics, uh, people all around the world can listen to this particular episode. So can you please explain to people who, like, they're in China or some countries in Africa, um, what is at risk? Because we know what that is because we're Westerners, but they may not. So can you break that down a little bit, at-risk youth? Well, the people that are at risk are the ones that are basically that fell up under the systematic injustices that has happened that's plagued the urban communities for minorities and, you know, particularly minorities and, and people that are in poverty, like brown, black people, just people that, that, that didn't have basically that wasn't built as a part of the per se system. You know, it's like an at-risk person is someone that grows up in an environment that's either, you know, at gang violence, that, that grows up in abusive homes, that's at risk of basically, you know, falling into temptations that wouldn't otherwise be in other neighborhoods like the suburbs or the rich areas and things like that that's not gang infested or, you know, there's not drugs in the community and there's not like liquor stores on every corner and things of that nature that'll put them into a, a situation to where they can become impoverished or where they can be tempted outside of something that, you know, a younger person would be tempted that you want to go to school and you want these children to be uh you know you want them to you want them to be more in tune with just what goes on as a child but a lot of these children are grown and adults at young ages are forced to be like adults not they're not adults but you know they're forced to be like adults or mimic what the adults do because of the lack of funding that's coming into the houses or some of the parents may be on drugs some parents may have got you know they have a lot of mental trauma that that plague them that they pass on from generation to generation that puts them at risk and following in those footsteps and not breaking that cycle Okay, so okay. I, after listening to you, D- Damon, am I am I saying your name correctly, Damon Collier? Yes, Damon. It's like Raymond, Damon. but Damon. Damon, Collier. okay. So, Damon. Yes. So after listening to you, I can somewhat relate in the aspect of growing up in like an area where uh, there's like a lot of liquor stores and you know just creating an environment where people can't necessarily feel that there's more beyond those walls, but. Um, Obviously, the, the, the fact that you grew up in those areas and you saw that impoverished kind of environment, is that what basically drove you to create this uh, 
Pride and Unity program to assist the youth? Yeah, I mean, and me, me being a part of it exactly. It's like it's hard for it's it's hard for people to relate. I was on the opposite end of the spectrum before. I was in group homes, and you know, like, and I was in like, uh, I started off young, so I started to go to the juvenile hall systems and things of that nature. To where you know people used to come in. You have the AA people come in. You have the Narcotics Anonymous people come in. You have people that that come in that you know with suits and ties. And you have like a lot of different people. You have you know Juma services. You have Christian services. You have all of these things. But it was always someone that didn't come from the neighborhoods. Most in most most cases that we're talking to them. So it was hard for those people to relate to the things that plagued you at home. You know, they give you all of these jewels and some of these jewels, they planted seeds inside of us, but they would leave, you know, after this moment. It was like, and then the, the intervention work that, you know, that was the intervention workers that were coming in, they had a, a system to where it was like, you know, they, they taught us things about, hey, you know, I did these things when I was younger, don't be like me, but we'll get a five minute conversation and then they would have to leave because that's how, as far as the funding go, goes, you know, and that was as far as they were able to, to help, you know, with just, it was like, to me, like an AA meeting to me. It was like, hey, I used to get drunk. Don't, I don't get drunk anymore, and don't be like me. And then you leave, and some people can learn that way. But I, I noticed that most of the people, like myself, I was like, you know, I wanted more. I wanted something else, like show me, show me a way as opposed to telling me what not to do. Or showing, you know, or, or telling me, okay, you can end up like me, and then I see you, and you, you know, you, you're on a, you, you, you're on a, you're on a, a bus, or you're in something that, basically, like, I'm like, man, I don't know if I, if I want to be like you, you know, if I'm, if I'm walking so, through my neighborhood and I see the drug dealers, and the drug dealers got well, nice me, cars, they got the women. Go ahead. Let me ask you then, because I'm, as I'm listening to you, obviously understand the concept that, you know, it's actually better to show and tell as opposed to just speak. You know, our parents would always tell us to do as they tell you to do as opposed to be a, a little bit more of a set an example. I did see that you're not only the, you're not only the, uh, the creator of Pride and Unity, you're also a writer, a producer, and you've actually, within Pride and Unity, have actually started or created a movie called Baby Gangster. Yes. Tell us how that basically, how all of that, how you're incorporating the children in that. And I think that you're not only just doing it for the kids, for you guys. I think you have like ages 25 to 50 as well that you assist yes. in, in this process of your program. Can you explain that to us and how the program works? Yeah, well, Pride and Unity is based upon like, you know, creating higher self-esteem for people that came up, you know, not just like me, but people that just that have their dreams shot down. You know, a lot of the times we they they put these things in front of us, and before the formalities and the things that people had to go through before, you couldn't do what we do now. You know, you had to go to a film, big film studio to get it to make a, a movie. You know, it wasn't just these affordable cameras. It wasn't just people in the communities and, and things like that that were that were reachable. So I started off. I started. You know, I was working in both fields. When I came home from prison, I just knew that I had to do something different, not only for my children but for the people that were like me. You know. I, I have my my heart was always into the community. It's like I bled for the community. I did things that in my mind, like I had to get away from. And I felt guilt, guilty about you know me coming and destroying some of these same minds that were just like mine that were young. But I didn't know the difference at those times. So I started to work as an extra at first in uh, the film industry, 
then I then I went up to art direction and I started for you know from there and then I went to producing and doing my own stuff and I realized that it was a lot of independent things that was going on in there. Then on the, while I was doing that, I was working another job for Unity One, which is an intervention uh, program to where we deal with gangs and we deal with at-risk youth and things of this nature. So I was getting it, you know, with both sides. You know, I see the industry and I talk to people in the industry and they were like, man, I want to help, but I can't relate to the people that's over there. And then I talked to the people in the communities and they were like, hey, you know, I want to get into the field of what you have for and so I started to notice and I took, I, basically I took, I started to take notice in what was happening and I was like, I have to devise something, I have to come up with something to where I can meld these two worlds because, you know, when you're young and you're looking at the gangbangers and the things that's out there in the streets, the thing that's really bringing you there is being a part of something and actually the money and the things that, the same thing that's going on right now, the people that are... Uh, listening to rap music, they want to be like the rappers, you know, and it was going on during the Motown days, people wanted to be like the musicians, because that was the only thing that we seen, that black people were glamorized or people of color were glamorized through either sports or entertainment, so I found a way with, with Baby Gangster, what it was, was I was dealing with a lot of gangs at that time and, you know, I was an ambassador to where I tried to keep the peace between a lot of these areas and I realized when I talked to these people, I talked to some Bloods, I talked to some Crips, I talked to some Serenios, and everybody was like, I just need something different. If I could have something different to where I can bring in the income or I could do things of that nature, then maybe I wouldn't be thinking the way that I did. But, you know, I don't mind as a devil a workshop. So what I did was we came, I, I sat down, and I, because of my intervention background, I knew that I had to come up with a curriculum. And the curriculum that I came up with was basically a way for me to bring the people from the entertainment world and meld them with the people in the streets that have these dreams. Because when I talk to the kids or I talk to the at-risk youth or even the adults, when I talk to them and I ask them, well, what did you dream of being? A lot of them wanted to either be a singer, they wanted to be an actor, they wanted to do things in the entertainment industry or some type of sports athlete. But the majority of the people were talking about getting into the entertainment. So what we did with Baby Gangster was, you know, I was like, okay, I know people that know how to act as well as me. I did a lot of work as an extra, and I did acting as well. So I was like, well, I'm going to train them how to act. I wrote a script. I wrote a script out that I believe will give an honest depiction of what, you know, what happens when gang violence arises in our communities. It's not like Boys in the Hood or Minister Society. Those show glimpses of it. But in those movies, they made us and painted us out to be something that was non-positive. You know, so it was like they made it seem like even the older individuals that learned and went through it were handing the kids the guns and were handing the teenagers the guns. And, you know, I, everybody agreed that we needed to give a, a better picture of this. So the best thing that we felt like we could do at those times was basically like, let's come up with a script, let's act it out. And in the beginning, we were about to try to pull people from, you know, from the acting field and, you know, more people that were more accredited as actors, but we decided to use the actual Bloods and Crips. And we came together and had a peaceful alliance. And basically we made this movie called Baby Gangster to give an honest depiction. And it was the first, like it's basically the catalyst and we're gonna use that as a catalyst to show people that we can create our own movies, our own projects, our own documentaries, our own soundtracks and make it look professional. So that's what we did. We brought some people in from the entertainment world that it's not just help with acting. We had uh, professional DPs. We had professional sets. And we brought them into an environment to where they could create an action movie in front of children that are now motivated. And a lot of those people are even in other movies now. That's beautiful. Mm, really excellent. We're going to go on for a short break. We're going to go on a short break right now. 
and then I'm going to ask you a question as okay. to Alliance when we come back. Okay. Why does it feel like we're just going through the motions? If you want to dial in and join the conversation, dial in at 563-999-3742 and press option one. Now, Damon, I um, wanted to ask you, the, as you were forming the alliance with Bloods and Crips, did you encounter any obstacles to actually form that alliance with them? Yes, I did, actually. Yes, I did. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, one thing I'm not, I'm not. I, I, I operate under the Holy Spirit, so I'm not afraid to, to speak the truth. You know, it's like a lot of people like that I reached out to to do it in the beginning. They didn't want to do the roles. It was people that I reached out to that, you know, that I had in mind that, like, was friends and people that were around me. Like, you know, I was like, hey, we can come together. We can do this. And they like, you know, some people were apprehensive. Like, man, you're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to complete it. 
it's not gonna come out good. You know, some people that was like, you know, I don't know about being around these type of dudes. Or them, the, the, the people from this side would be like, I don't know about being around these type of dudes. And the same people that did it, though, what I do know about this is what I loved about it was the same people that did say those things regretted it later on. And they all want to be a part of new projects now. So it was a lot of people that were worried about getting looked at as a peace treaty dude or you know, I'm soft or I done lost it or I'm not a part of the circle, the inner circle no more because I'm, you know, the blood, I'm a blood and I'm a crips or I'm a crip and I'm over here with bloods and it just, it's, you know, with the way that society is, that's like you got soft, you're not doing what's right. People have not taught unity, you know, that was taken away from us. We went from having a black fist up to having that separated with a C or a B or whatever, you know. We greeted each other before and we wasn't in fear of each other. We greeted each other and we were happy to see each other. But now, you know, with the unity thing, it's considered to be soft. And I don't, you know, that's that's something that we have to basically change the narrative in, the, in this culture with. And that was, the, that was the most resistance that I ran into. And it was a few times when we were on set that people were mad that we were in a neighborhood with certain individuals. But after talking to them and, you know, really letting them know what it is that we were doing, they became like, they became receptive of it. And, you know, we didn't have too much problems with them. We just had the police trying to take people to jail. They tried to shut us down during the filming of it. Uh, I mean, we ran into a lot of racist stuff that had happened during the film that, that wasn't cool as well. A lot of people didn't want to edit the movie. They thought that we had real guns and that we didn't have permits and things of that nature. So they were trying to, you know, when I was praying, even with me coming with the money and everything else, they were, they told me, uh, one, one editor told me that he didn't want to make a mistake because he felt like we were going to kill him if we made a mistake. Wow. That's wow. And you actually answered a question I um, I was going to say about those permits because I know when indigenous people, you know, try to reclaim anything, it, there's always a hard road, uphill battle with permits and it's all this, um, you know, threatening and just making you feel like, you know, that you should stop. So I'm really happy that, you know, you guys overcame that and, and put out the movie. And everybody, it's uh, Baby Gangsta, the movie. Liz told me about it, but where can people purchase, can they purchase this uh, movie or do they, is there another platform you have the movie on? No, we have it on our organizational platform. Before we had it on Amazon. But it's just like what you said. It's like when people that indigenous people, I'm gonna say it like that. I like that term, indigenous there people. You, go. you know, um, when we do when we do things. Um, you know, they they don't they don't want to see the unity. They don't want to see us together. So they give us crumbs and they try to offer us crumbs and things. So what we did was we created our own platform, and the platform is at www.prideinunity.org to where basically we, we have it on our own platform, on our own website to where you can go and stream the movie. You know, in a few months, we're going to make it to where you can have it to where you can download and keep it as something that you can have in your home. But as of right now, we're looking for licensing agreements so that, you know, we can basically split this money because it should be a lot of money that we can be able to garner if it's done right. So what we're doing right now is we're in the process of trying to find licensing agreements to where we can basically put it on platforms and other networks and things of that nature and get basically like a rent or rental fee to where I can basically 
distribute that money back into the community to the actors that helped out and to the people that put their money up so that they can, re, you know what I'm saying, they can recycle their money. It's a way for us to start. Basically, we're trying to create our own Netflix, our own Amazon, and have enough content to where people can start subscribing and then they can have their money. So they can find it on our website, and that's the only place in the world that you will be able to find it as of right now. I, I did watch your, um, Baby Gangster. I'm sorry, go ahead, did you? No, go ahead, Liz, LGD Poets. I, I did I did watch your movie, and I found it to be very interesting. Of course, um, you know, there's a lot of violence in there, and you know how a lot of us... How do you feel that you can go ahead and actually also incorporate the, the purpose that you have, which is instilling self-esteem and confidence into our youth also adding the Latino community so then as a larger unity we can all progress even more that's something that I that I dream of honestly like right now like I mean I have I've, I've written several other scripts but when I realized as I started to write more scripts I was like you know what we have we have like good writers in these communities so you know when I, I started off doing all of this stuff out of my own pocket Everything was coming out of my pocket. I sold my lowrider. I sold jewelry. I sold, you know, all of these different, all of the stuff that I accumulated for myself. I sold, I sold everything, really, just so I could show people that this was serious, that we could do it. You know, if we, if we, you know, if we set out to do something, that we can accomplish it. But then I ended up getting it and I transferred it and transformed it into a 501c3, which is a nonprofit, so that we can get donations and things of that nature so that we can help out and what I want to do is do like with, with the program we have four phases of our program and in our curriculum we have the we have the uh, achieve phase we have to breathe believe achieve. we got the conceive breathe believe conceive uh, conceive <laughs> my bad achieve phases and each one of these phases we come in and we do a corporate writing to where we can write the script out and I wanted like I said I wanted to be all inclusive with Hispanics with Asians with Pacific Islanders with black people and everything else to where we can come together and have a caseload and over a three month period we will write the, we will write the movie out so after we write the movie out we'll take a time to reflect it's, it's the breathe moment that's the concept moment the conceive moment the breathe moment is what we were doing during that 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 area that area that we're taking is for everyone to get to know each other for us to start breathing and letting out the things that that's going on in our community the differences you know have impact sessions to where we can learn that there's not too much differences between us so that when we go into this working environment we can do it then we have the uh, the believe phase that's when we start to show them hands-on how to use the cameras work on the soundtrack work on the sound design whatever area that they felt like they wanted to get into because we have certain people that want to be musicians we have certain people that wanted to be rappers and it was a way for us to make the soundtrack with them the people that wanted to be directors they'll be sitting off with the directors and then the people that wanted to be writers will go off into the writer section the people that wanted to be actors will go off into our actor section and then we can all together, you know, together. That's what pride stands for with us is power received and delegating everything. So that's what I do. I want to do that. I think you have a beautiful mission and a beautiful cause, which is very inspiring to see that. Um, there's another thing that I read about you on an interview you did in Portland where you actually have um, you're creating, you're working on this other movie. I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. Scoop Scoop Woods. You're not only Scoop. actually teaching. Say that again? Skookum? Skookum. Skookum. Okay. 
But I, I noticed that it's not, you're not only just bringing knowledge, but you're actually, um, you know, trying to actually teach our kids about black and the Native American history, which is a great thing because we don't really get that history taught in, in your regular school system. So I love that you're incorporating all of that and trying to really evolve the minds of, of our youth. When can yes, you expect that to come out? Well, we, we've been, we've, well, the guy that, uh, we ran into a problem with that one as well. Like the guy that let us use his property because he had like 15 acres that he was going to let us use. It's like some woods area. We're going to recreate the scene. We have to find another location because he ended up passing. He ended up passing away during the COVID. During the COVID thing, he ended up catching COVID and he passed away. So now we have to find someone else with that much land that's going to actually allow us to build on their land and you know, and because basically we want to reenact everything that happened. A lot of people don't realize that during those time periods, that during those time periods that, you know, uh, like like you said, like black people and, and Native Americans actually came together. And it wasn't just when the slaves came. It was also came and they also came over on merchant ships and things of that nature. And they even sent a lot of black people over to speak to the Native Americans because, uh, you know, they had they had got basically. They got treated wrong when it was the, you know, when it was Europeans that came over, or French people that came over, or the Spaniards that came over before. Viva la Francais. That's me. I'm Gigi, the storyteller, here with Liz Elgin Floyd. Wonderful conversation here on Hot Words, Hot Topics. You know what? You guys just stay tuned. This is Lisa Michelle of Artist to Artist, and you're listening my life on Hot Words Hot Topics. Alright, you kids get to bed, I get the storybook. Y'all tucked in? a time not long ago when people wore pajamas and lived life love where laws were stern and justice stood and people were behaving like they ought to good to live the little boy who was misled by another little boy and this is what he said me and you tonight we're gonna make some cash robbing old folks and making the dash they did the job money came with ease but one couldn't stop it's like he had a disease he robbed another and another and a sister and a brother the robber man who was a DC undercover. The cop grabbed his arm, he started acting erratic. He said, Keep still, boy, no need for static. Punched him in his belly and he gave him a slap. But little did he know the little boy was strapped. The kid pulled out a gun, he said, Why'd you hit me? The barrel set straight for the cop's kidney. The cop got scared, the kid he thought to figure. I'll do years if I pull this trigger. So he cold dashed and ran around a block. Cop radios into another lady cop. He ran by a tree, there he saw the sister. Shot for the head, he shot back, but he missed her. Looked around good and from expectations, he decided he'd hit for the subway stations. But she was coming and he made a left. He was running top speed till he was out of breath. Knocked an old man down and swore he killed Sorry. him. Then he made his move to an abandoned building. Ran up the stairs up to the top floor. Opened up a door there. Guess who he saw? Who? Dave the dope beast shooting dope. Who don't know the meaning of water nor soap? He said, I need bullets. Hurry up, run. The dope fiend brought back a spanking shotgun. He went outside, but there was cops all over. Then he dipped into a car, a stolen Nova. Raced up the block doing 83. Crashed into a tree near university. Escaped alive, though the car was battered. Rat-a-tat-tatted and all the cops scattered. Ran out of bullets and he 
still had static. Grabbed the pregnant lady and pulled out the automatic. Pointed out her head, he said the gun was full of lead. He told the cops, back off, for honey, here's dead. Deep in his heart, he knew he was wrong. So he let the lady go and he starts to run on. Sirens sounded, he seemed astounded. And before long, the little boy got surrounded. He dropped his gun, so went the glory. And this is the way I have to end this story. He was only one team in a madman's dream. The cops shot the kid, I still hear him scream. This ain't funny, so don't you dare laugh. Just another case about the wrong path. Straight and arrow or your soldier. Yeah. Good night. Knock him out the box, Knock him out, Rick. Welcome back. This is Liz, a.k.a. LGD Poet, and we're here with Damon Collier, the founder of the Pride in Unity program, which basically helps assist or build self-esteem and confidence in our youth. Um, Damon, I have a question pertaining to, like, getting a hold of the parents and trying to actually get the children to jump on board onto your program. I know that sometimes there's a lot of resistance with the parents. I grew up in a household where my parents were very, very rigid and very, uh, well, my father was. And so to get him to, or to convince him to allow us to join any programs like that was really, really difficult. Have you encountered that or do you, and do you feel like you can actually get to the parents? Because that, I believe that's where we can also make a change. Yes, I mean, I try to involve the parents as well. You know, I try to, because we don't, it's like, I coached football before, and that's something that I learned with football. Like, I had the kids for maybe two hours when I coached the kids. But then parents, you know, uh, if you didn't have the parents involved and the kids, when they came when it came time to play on the actual field, they didn't perform as well. So even with the parents, it's like when I'm, when I'm reaching out to them, I let them know that this is something that we have to do together. This is not something that you just drop your kid off, and then they're going to come out, and they're going to be this brilliant, you know, uh, a videographer or they're going to be this brilliant actor without you involving yourself with the child or you, you know, sometimes we do encounter that when it's, some kids don't even have that. The parents don't even care. The parent is at work all the time. So they just don't care whether their children are, you know, but the parents that do and there are, they are strict with it. We want them to come into the environment to see what it is that their kids are learning or see what it is. And we want them to interact as much as they possibly can. So, when I do run into those problems, it's like the, the best thing for us to do is to try to help out. Sometimes, you know, we'll give the parents gas money or we'll help them out if, you know, with other things like we'll give them tickets to a basketball game or something of their interest to where they can still have a part in what it is. So it's like it's, it takes a team, you know, it's like we don't do it on our own and we let the parents know that we need them as well to be involved in trying to, you know, push their kids towards their dreams. It's like the parent may want them to be a doctor, but the kid want to be an actor. And we let them know that 
you know, even if they're getting into the acting field, there's other occupations that's in there that can pay as much, if not more, than the actor gets. And, you know, a lot of times people come in and they'll start in one area and they'll end up doing something totally different because they didn't even have the know-how or what it was that came. So it's like, you know, most of the parents just want their kids to be involved in something that they know, like, okay, it's just like if you have dreams of being a basketball player, most people will want, want you to be like, okay, we'll still get your education. So we want to make sure that we promote education we make sure that it doesn't take away from their education and if we're needed sometimes like what we are we needed to talk to the kid because you know this is something where it's like they're interested in so when parent like hey I don't want the kid to come because the kid is having bad grades we make sure that we check on the kid's grades check on what's going on in the household as far as keeping both both parties you know uh, in the loop if we keep them in the loop then know it's a way that we can collectively help to raise this this, this child's dream while they're raising them in the household. That really shows that it takes a village to raise a child. So working all together and, you know, with the fact that you're stating that you give gas money, where can our listeners go to actually support the cost and support your your community project? www.prideinunity.com that's P-R-I-D-E-I-N-U-N-I-T-Y dot org. That's Pride and Unity. And can they follow you on social media as well? Yes, you can look us up under Pride and Unity uh, on social media, or you can look up me, West Red Diamond, and basically everything that I do is about this program right now. My whole life is centered around this because this is my way I feel like, like outside of the ministry that I'm getting into, that God is helping me to give back and to help people, you know, to come, basically to come together, to unify, because, you know, I, I believe that we're powerful no matter what section that you come from or what area that you come from. Pride and Pride and Unity stands for, with us, it's an acronym for Power Received and Delegating Everything, because we're all powerful from where we come from, and if we unify that, then we can become a conglomerate. That's what I say all the time. If we just unite a little bit more, we just we can grow a lot bigger. And I, I'm not doing anything like you're doing, but you definitely are creating a wave. And I would hope that a lot of our listeners can go ahead and actually, you know, support the cost a little bit more because I do feel that the more and more we get to our children, our future will be a lot better. I just wish that a lot of people can continue like you having that alliance with the Crips and Blood. Can that be a sustainable thing to do? Can you really sustain that type of environment and to create change for the future? Do you feel that? I believe. I believe. I believe so. I believe like not just with just the Crips and the Blood, but with the Black and the Brown people that's that's out here with the Latins and the and the, Af- and the African Americans that are here. You know, I believe that you know when you when you have something that you can come together with and you have a project with or you have something that you can all be proud of together or something that you're working on, I believe that you can. I believe that you can bridge gaps. And then you said something as well. You said you're not doing something. You're not doing what I'm doing, but you're actually in a, you actually are doing what I'm doing because you're giving people voices and you're giving a platform for people to come on to, to share in their experiences. And that's exactly what we do. So we do the same thing. It's just in a different area. And that's why I said it's power received and delegating everything. If there was an outlet that we can come to and let people know about it as we are building the projects, then the projects can go further. Well, it's definitely a beautiful oh, yeah. program, a beautiful project. From what I've read, uh, what I read, what I saw, um, the your video, your movie, Baby Gangster, it's 
it's a wonderful thing that you're doing and I just can I just pray to God that you continue to move forward and that it, that God allows you that space and this platform to continue to grow and assist and just help the world because as cliche as it sounds the world does need peace in order for it to just change yeah it's gonna need it's yeah, gonna need a lot more the storyteller and I wanted to know if someone wanted to donate to your uh, organization what's the best way to do that you can do it through our website you can do it through our website uh, there's a portal in there to where you can donate and it's also it's also a tax write-off that you get you know we give tax write-off so everything that you get is basically 100 percent tax deductible we can give it we can give it right back to you so it's like a bartering system it's like not like we have our hands out and we just want something from you but this will benefit you tax-wise we take donations for cameras we take uh, direct sponsorships of kids if it's a kid that you want to sponsor if it's someone that you want to come through our organization organization and help the mentor there's other ways of donating as opposed to just money as well so even if you want to give out some land that we can do it uh, uh if you want to give us a space to where we can bring the kids or we can bring the at-risk people not just at-risk youth but at-risk adults as well you know because it's a lot of mental instability that's that's going on right now especially during the pandemic it's a lot of people that are losing that drive and losing themselves in the middle of all of this if you have a platform or if you have anything that you want to contribute, you can hit us, hit us there or you can hit me at uh, hit me on Instagram, any social media platforms, or you can hit me on uh, directly. I can give you my phone number. I have no problem with that. My phone number is 503-885-4570, and you can hit me directly, and we can figure out how we can all work together to make sure that we can get more people involved and more people's dreams out there more voices out there whether through documentaries whether whatever it is you know we can come up with some type of projects to give back to these communities has this been a form to help you heal on your own like your own upbringing say that again i couldn't hear that has this a project or this program that you've created has it actually helped you heal personally from all your um you know your troubles as a young adult or a young man this is something like I've it's it's taking its own legs. It's helped me so much in different areas. Like a lot of the things that I couldn't say, I'm starting to say more into my scripts. I'm taking it more into the art. You know, art gives you art. You know, and art is not just in the form of something that you draw, but you know, something that you draw from. You know, so it's like it, it gives me an outlet. It gives me a way of release. It gives me a voice to where I wouldn't ever have otherwise had a voice. And you know, that's what a lot of people are going into these areas and gang banging and finding themselves in trouble because they have no sense of relief. They have nowhere to release all of the, you know, all of this pain, all of the struggle, all of the things that they're having because whether their parents are working too much or they're growing up with parents that don't have, you know, much, much, much money or whatever or or even if they're growing up with parents that are on drugs or in the streets more than what, you know, what they should be or whatever, you know, it is it helps in all of those areas, you know. This is that's what this has become to me. This has become like a life this has become a lifestyle somewhat like how the streets was for me. So now it's like the way that I put my dedication and I pour my dedication into that negativity, I'm pouring it into this because I can see the results. I can see the end. I can see the end even though it don't seem it doesn't seem like it sometimes and it gets hard. I'm not saying that it's easy. But I can see I can see change amongst a lot of the people that were involved in the movie. Some people went the other way, but a lot of them have changed, and that's that's what I thrive on. 
Well, God bless you for that. Can you so save the world? That. No, but you can definitely save yourself, and he's doing a, a great job trying to save the children. <laughs> but we want to thank Heck you for yeah. actually coming on, and we want to thank you for coming thank on. You for Hopefully, me. you can come again. And once again, whoever, when you, those listening out there, you can go ahead and donate to his website, which is www.unity. Um, is it Pride in Unity? Pride, Pride Donate, please, and help the cause. Thank you again, Damon. Thank you very much. Great having you. All right. You're always welcome to come back and let us know the progress in in what you're doing. That's great. This is Gigi, the storyteller, and boy, do I have a story for you. My show, Ovasi Views, is actually coming up on the 9th, July the 9th, 8.30 in the morning on Pacific Standard Time here in the West Coast, Southern California, baby. It's going to be a great show, as always, like this one. Wonderful, great dialogue. I'm just loving it. So make sure you tap back in and uh, check out the, the archives with uh, all of our past shows. And that's what I like about having the replays, because if you miss it live, you know, guess what? Don't don't trip. You can catch it on the replay. And you know what? Let us know how we're doing. This Hot Word Network, we have like four shows on, which is great. And we're uh, coming stronger and building up, and, and it's a good thing. So make sure you follow us on all these little platforms, Hot Words, Hot Topics on Facebook. Yeah, we have a little Facebook page and Instagram and whatnot. So drop a line and let us know, hey, I did listen to the show, and uh, hey, I liked it, or you know what? I didn't like it, but... We know that's not happening. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to My Life, My Life, My Life. Liz, Liz, LGD Poets. What kind of final word do you have? Yes, you are um, to let people know it. Oh, you know what else I want to talk about, like from the, the top of the oh. show? We have a few more minutes before we go into streaming land. But listen. We kind of, I don't know if we made that vow, but we're supposed to be writing a poem every day or a story every day or something. So I'm going to be honest. At first, I started off really well, and I had it going on, and ooh, some things came into play, and it's like it's hard to write when you're just having pain in your body. But I'm good right about the now. Pain. I'm, you write about the pain? Girl, I, I am <laughs> because... It's like, it is a part of Gigi's story because it was something else. I've never experienced anything like that before to where it had me crying, and it's like, oh, my goodness. So I put on some blessed oil that I still have for my nephew, and I put that on. And honestly, um, and outside of the cream that I was putting on, which was helping immensely, but when I put that oil on there, that's when I really started beginning to heal. My body from the inside started beginning to heal. So I'm glad I got a little pep in my step, you know. Um, older woman, me, mature mama G at 62. And I love sitting chatting with you, Liz. It's just inspiring. Always. <laughs> and these always, wonderful always. conversations. And you know what? You guys, please come back on the second, you know, the first Tuesday of every month because we're always going to have something for you, maybe more entertaining as far as an artist goes. You know, we had Leah. Oh, it's 
Off the line, but I wasn't ready yet. Stop it. It happens. We're just because we're done, that's why. But I wanted to end it with Motions by Leo Wright. Check her out, wonderful artist that was on the last show of my life. So that's it, and that's all. While Blog Talk Radio trying to kick us off. So, y'all have a blessed one, though. Good feeling 